Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm continuing the lesson that I started downstairs since uh, Alan Bubble is going to be gone today. He's, he asked me to come up and teach part of the lesson that I had started last week, and we're talking about how to read the Bible. Um, so let's, uh, let's pray to get started. Um, Heavenly Father, um, you are a great and awesome God, and we cannot even begin to fathom uh, just your nature and just what you're, who you are and how you set things up in this world. We, we can only scratch the surface, Father, of everything that you've done, and the ultimate being your plan of salvation. Uh, Lord, we are thankful that you have given us um, revelation. Uh, you've spoken to us through your word, and we're able to understand some things, Father, because you told them to us. And we thank you, and uh, we hope to learn today how to continue really looking at the, the Bible, Father, because it's your word, in a way that helps us, Father, to understand you and to know you better and to live the life that is your plan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, um, last week, I don't know who's here from last week, um, I talked about there's a three-step process when studying the Bible, and that is observation, interpretation, and application. And if you do these things well, everything builds on the other. If you observe the text well, you can interpret well. And if you interpret well, you can apply it well. Um, <clears throat> then we discussed uh, what we are after when we read the scriptures. Uh, we want to deal with books, and we want to deal with major sections in the Bible, not just verses, um, because we want to understand the text in its context. Uh, we then discuss the importance of having and understanding what we are reading to get the big idea. In other words, if you read a, a, a text, you want to understand the big idea of the text. You know, if you read in Galatians, what's the big idea of Galatians? What's, what's the purpose? Why was it written? What, what's it saying? And when you get the big idea, you can read it well. And I, I gave an example of a newspaper, and I, I sewed different sections of the newspaper to everybody, and asked the question, how do you, what's the difference between the obituaries and the comics, for instance, or the sports pages, or the business pages? You read those things differently because they're different kinds of writing. And the same thing with the Bible. There's different kinds of writing in the Bible. You have poetry, lyrics, you have history, you have uh, writings, you have a different array of types of writings, prophecy. If you understand what you're, what you're looking at, you could read it well. And that's basically what we had talked about last week. Now, I, um, if you point your phones at that, there's, there's a resource of, there's a list of resources you can download, um, just some books to help you understand scripture and to read it well. And if you want me to email you a link, let me know. But this is, you can just take a snap of that or whatever and download the resources. 
for those who know how to do it. <laughs> and these are some really helpful books um, that uh, really help you to read the Bible well. Um, okay. I want to talk about now um, what's more, the, get more involved in the, in the process of observing the text. That's what I want to talk about right now. And next week, we're going to talk about interpretation. And the week after that, we're going to talk about the application. And then we'll be done. Um, well, today, I want to talk a little more about observation. And uh, I need your help. You're on. Oh, you have to do it up here. It's a little video I want you guys to look at. Okay. Guys, counting. Don't notice that. <laughs> Back. Did you guys see those things? No. There's a reason why you didn't see it. Now, if you watch the video again, will you notice those things? Huh? Okay. Yeah. She looks so fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed the small text underneath uh -huh. where it said, did you notice something? And I saw that it was, an arrow was pointing yeah, the, to the um, portion of the video. In the first one, the stall changed color. Oh, okay. From blue to green. 
And in the first movie, the basketball net disappeared. And most people miss those things because we're not looking at them. You know, we're, what we're observing is what they ask us to observe. And you saw the, you, you counted it carefully. And there's another video running around where you see people handing a basketball to each other and they ask you how many times was it passed. But nobody notices there's a gorilla running in there. <laughs> nobody, nobody notices that. And that's because we're not, we're not, we are, we are hardwired to notice the details that we are looking for. Now, um, I'm not gonna go through these. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not gonna talk about this, but basically, um, we, we miss details because we're not looking for them. And it's the same thing with scripture. Sometimes we come to the scriptures with our ideas. We come to the scriptures and we kind of read through it. We kind of know what it says, but you miss the details because we're not looking for things. Um, okay, let me see. When we miss important details, because we're, fo when it, we're focused more on the obvious, um, however, when we know what to look for, suddenly we're better able to catch those details. Because now that you know where those things are, you know where to look, you know what to look for. You know, you're looking for the, you see it, you can't unsee it anymore. You know, now, now when I watch the video, I know exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, and, and even, in, even in this picture here, I, I, I know all the differences. There are like seven different differences between those two pictures. I already know that, because I already went through this. But you know, when you look at it, you, you, you have to look at it very carefully and see what the differences are. But um, I'm not going to talk about that here right now. Um, but when we do good observation of the Bible, um, it doesn't start necessarily with noticing details. Good observation starts with noticing the overall context and, and understanding the discussion that's being had. Um, that's how it starts. Otherwise, if we don't start there, details become a distraction. Okay. Um, once we understand the overall point of what we're reading, we will know what details to look for. This is important. Okay. So what we look for. All right. Whenever you read a book, look for words that repeat. It's a clue as to what this writing is about. Um, you know, you, if you go in the book of Philippians, for instance, the word joy and rejoice happens over and over again. What's Paul getting at? Okay. Um, look for changes in pronouns. Um, what I mean by that is that, for instance, in the book of Acts, you'll notice that the pronouns change. When you, when you go through Acts, where the author, Luke, is talking about them and they, and he suddenly talks about we. And you can see the transition around chapter 20, I believe. There's a transition. Well, what happened? Well, it gives us an indication that maybe Luke is on the, on the trip as well. You know, he's talking about we and us. That, that, that change 
it makes a difference in how we understand what's being, what's being written, what's, what the author's saying to us. Same thing in 2 Corinthians. There's a change in pronouns. You guys probably don't even realize it. But now that I told you, you're going to look at and try to look at that. <laughs> There's a change in pronouns. Um, also, too, look for references to time or causation. Uh, there are key words like therefore or before or after or during or while or because of. Look for words like that because they tell us that there's something we need to understand in terms of, you know, the author's making a point about causation or he's making a point about time. And that influences how we understand a passage. Um, also too, notice any commands or even please, a plea where he's like, please do this. <laughs> Or, or this deserves full acceptance. Look for, look for those types of uh, phrases because it tells us how we should approach that passage. What's he, what's he stressing? Why is this so important? You know, why, what, what is he commanding? Is that command for that person? Is it for everybody around that person? Or is it for us? Okay. Um, also, too, Detailed descriptions. Sometimes the author gives, goes through great detail to describe something. Why? You know, we're, we're going to look at a passage uh, that's going to kind of get into that a little bit, where the author go, is going to do a whole lot of writing about describing certain people. Okay? There's a reason why that is. So, what do we do? Ask the five W's and the H questions. That's how you, that's how you observe a text. Um, after you understand the big idea, then you start asking these, questions, these types of questions. The who, what, when, where, why, and how. Um, who, who's the author? You know, that matters. Who's the audience? You know, who's he talking to? What? What's the author talking about? What's the big idea? You know, I'm always going to bring that up. What's the big idea? What did he say about whatever issue? What issue is he bringing up? And when was this written? When did this event happen? You know, this, those questions are really important when you read the letters, actually. Um, and where? Where is this happening at? And where are the people he's talking to? Talk, where are they? Um, also, too, where are the original hearers? Where are they located? You know, last week, one of the things we talked about in a, in a, when we read a passage is that um, there's, there's like this saying, the Bible can never mean what it never meant. Um, it's really important when you read the Bible to understand before you start applying things and start saying what this means is to find out what it meant. What did the author mean when he said it to who he said it to? 
unless you go back in time, you don't really understand that. And we talked about how to go back in time last week as well. You know, there's, there's resources we can use to, in order to go back in time. But you, just reading the thing in context helps us go back in time. What's the, what's the point? <laughs> um, also, too, this why question. Now, with the, the why question, it's a little tr tricky because you, you're almost going into interpretation where you ask the, the question why. Like, why do you say that? Here, I want to use the why question a little differently. Here, it's about observation. Um, why did the author say what he said? You know, why did the author say that he wrote this? Um, let me see. Why did the characters say or do what they did? Sometimes this is an observation question because you're looking at the text to answer the question. Because in the text is explained. The author says, I wrote this because of this. You know, in the book of John. John says why he wrote it, so that you believe. I, I, you know, I, I gave you uh, account after account of Jesus' miracles. I gave, you, I gave you accounts of what happened. I gave you accounts of, the, of people's responses so that you would believe. And, and we can see that the author said that, so we know why the author did it. So we're looking in the text to observe the why. Some, a lot of times it's explained. Um, and also how. You can observe in the text, well, when this, when this character said this, how did the, the person respond? You know, like in, in a historical narrative. You know, uh, when this happened and that happened, what happened next? Well, how do those people, how do those people respond to that? You know, questions like that. Um, also too, how is the author demonstrating something? You know, how is the author demonstrating that this person is really brave? You know, you can see those things in the text. You know, he's, he's showing this, he's showing this, he's showing this. It shows that, the, it shows that this particular character is brave, okay? These, these questions are really helpful as long as you understand what you're reading. Because some of these questions are not appropriate to every type of reading. Because if you're reading poetry, some of these questions don't fit. <laughs> Okay, so it's really important to know what you're reading and also get the big idea. So, um, we're gonna do a little hands-on. Let's look at the book of Jude. Because I wanna, I wanna show this, how to do this in practice, okay? So, for the book of Jude, What's the first thing we need to understand about the book of Jude? Anybody? What was that? Uh-huh, big idea. Who's it coming from, you know? It's a letter, yeah. What is it? <laughs> it's a letter. And we wanna get the big idea. It's a letter from Jude, who's Jude? Brother of James, yeah, it says so right here. And we, we know something about James because he's the brother of Jesus. 
But it's interesting. Jude doesn't say he's a brother of Jesus. He just says, I'm the brother of James. I think that's significant. Uh, James does the same thing. He doesn't even mention that he's Jesus' brother. But we know that. And James became the leader of the church. Um, eventually, in the, in the book of Acts, we could see that. So there's a lot here, but leaving that out is significant, in my opinion. Okay. So those are some big things. Just from looking at this a little bit, you know, um, this introduction here, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love for you, be yours in abundance. Okay, so who's he writing to? Do we have a hint here? Huh? Other Christians. Yeah, other Christians of that day. And this is probably sometime later in the Christian experience. You know, kind of in between, sometime where James was leader and before, you know, Peter may have died somewhere around that time. Um, and I, I know that because of other extra biblical research I did, but also too, in the letter, you can see that Jude even quotes Peter. Um, so, you know, we could talk about how we know that too, but okay, so now we know this. Let's skim through the book of Jude, okay? Now, here's how you could, here's a good way to skim. Um, sometimes there's little helper, helpers in here where you have little subheads and stuff like that that you use. The best way for me to do it, and, and this is where it's important to have a really good Bible, um, some Bible or Bibles are laid out in verses. That's not the best layout because the Bible didn't, wasn't written that way. Um, if you have a Bible that's laid out with paragraphs, that's a better, a better way to look at scripture. So try reading the first sentence of every paragraph real quick and just go through the whole book. And it'll give you a sense of what the book's about. Okay? Go, just go ahead and do it. We're just going to go through real quick. You know, we're just going to get in a gist of the book of Jude. Can somebody tell me what this is, what he's writing about? Just a big picture of you. Yeah. He's warning believers of what? False teachers. Okay. Is everybody catching that? Huh? What was it? Steadfast in their faith? Oh, defending their faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is good stuff. Anything else?
What can, what can we catch here about these, these false teachers? Just some overall. Can you hold on? It was foretold by them. Yeah, it's not a surprise. It was coming. It was foretold. Yeah, very good. Um, what else? It's coming from within. Yes. They're, they're at your love feast, you know, with you. Um, they're, they're among you. You know, they're brothers and sisters. And they're treating, they're treating things like it's a license to do whatever you want to do. Okay? Christianity is, is you know, for them, it's a license to do what you want to do. Okay? That's just, you know, overall looking at it. Okay. Um, also, too, why was Jude originally wanting to write this? Why did, why did you want to write this letter? Oh, yes, yeah, Steve. Uh-huh. It seems like he's warning folks to watch out for people who are um, sneaking in among them, looking like they're, you know, acting like they're not denying that they're sinners, but that they are sinners. And so that they are, uh, they'd be destroying the faith from within. Okay. Yeah. He's warning the believers. Um, what's interesting here is like um, verse three. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. That's, that's his, uh, his statement for the, for the whole book. I wanted to encourage you. I desire to write some good stuff to, so we can you know, feel good about our faith, but I'm concerned to the point I am writing something different. I am compelled to urge you to contend. In other words, um, how else are we going to keep the faith? How else are we going to pass it along from generation to generation if the church can't get it right? I am concerned that whatever we believe is going to stop right here. How is it going to pass on? So I urge you to contend for this. So this is the preamble for the rest of his letter. He is contending. He's like, I want you guys to get this. So now we have a, we have a you know, we should have a certain feeling about the letter. It should, it should change. It's not just say, you know, let's read some verses. It's, this is a, uh, this is urgent. And we should probably have that feeling when we read it. This is urgent. You know, this is serious. Um, this can affect the gospel. Okay, this is the big message here. Okay. Now, he says something about these teachers too. 
and you guys kind of skim through it, and he's, he's reiterating something over and over again. Do you guys notice it? What's he reiterating about them? What was that? that already oops sorry he uses the word scoffers and generally it's somebody who already knows and then acts like they know too much and have transcended at doing something else yeah better. scoffers yeah teacher he's using the term ungodly or ungodliness yes, a lot. use that a lot yeah he's like these guys they're not really godly <laughs> and 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 these guys are dangerous it was that they're not practicing what they're preaching they're saying something different they're they're messing with the gospel go ahead verse 19 it says uh these are the men who divide you who follow mere spiritual instincts and do not have the spirit yeah yeah not the spirit of christ it's just like oh, false. think about what's being repeated here these guys are fakes they're fakes they don't have the spirit they're ungodly <laughs> you're good oh, I, was oh, gonna, I was gonna say he consistently uses examples of those people and the yeah. consequence so he starts with um the children of israel the disobedient ones what happened to them so the gomorrah what happened to them so yes. it's almost like something is going to happen to you if you don't fix this now good good observation Look how he repeats Old Testament examples with this New Testament example over and over again. Solomon Gomorrah, Baal, Balaam. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Dale. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so, these things are important in this letter. Why? He's repeating this for a reason. He's, he's trying to give you a picture here. This is what's going on. You know, it, 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 everything looks hunky-dory, but it's fake. They're denying the Lord. They're, they're ungodly, unholy. They're like Balaam. They're like Song of Gomorrah over and over again. He wants to get in their heads. I want to urge this. This, this for you. I want you to get this, that the gospel isn't this. It's not this. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Brother Carrie, because um, we have, you know, so many different translations mm -hmm. of the Bible, mm -hmm. and I find that I just have kind of... Um, a connection with the NIV version, but sometimes, you know, I might go to the New Living Translation or the Message Bible to try to get a better understanding. What are your thoughts about using other translations? Are we are we too far away from the original Hebrew and Greek? Or, you know, I know Ricky loves his King James, and you know, some people <laughs> might love their New American uh -huh. Standard and because mm -hmm. it speaks to them, or the language just makes more sense to them. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering, you know, because these are very, very good ideas and resources, um, and 
And I, I personally have a study Bible that has tons of notes and yeah. outlines, and I have commentaries and concordances. But what are your thoughts about the different translations? Uh, different translations are good. That's my thoughts. <laughs> They're good. And there's a lot of reasons why. I've been reading some books on translation. Very fascinating stuff. The translations we have are excellent. And let me tell you why. Because they're, they're looking at the original languages. And they're looking at the oldest copies and the most reliable copies. So you're getting, you're getting good translations. My only caveat is read things in context. Read things in context. If you're in the habit of reading a few verses and stuff, you're going to be confused. Read things in context. Now, what I, I, I like the NIV too. I like the, um, there's another one too, the CSB. It's pretty good. Um, I read primarily NIV right now, but I also read NET because the NET is very good in terms of the translation issues. They, they detail all the different translation issues and, and the things that come up that translators have to deal with. I really like the NET for that. Um, it's good to read different translations, but read it in context. That's the key. Read the whole book. If you're reading the whole book, you'll get it. If you have like, um, let's say Ricky writes something, right? about something in the church, whatever, and then I write it the way I want to write it. You'll get two different vantage points of the same issue. It's good. Take it all in. That's my advice. An example is the four Gospels. It, exactly. You had four different views of the same thing that happened. Excellent. I mean, God likes that. Because, why, why, why is it like that? Well, the more witnesses you have, the more established a, a point it can be, you know? Um, if I were to claim or change something in the Washington Post and say that this is, really didn't happen, this is what happened, what problem do I have in trying to do that? What problem do I run into when I try to make a change in the Washington Post? Yeah. I think I know what you're asking, but I want you to clarify a okay. little bit more. So are you saying you take a copy of the Washington Post, yeah. you change what it actually says, Yes. but then other people have the original copy of the Washington Post. So the problem you have is that your change is only in your copy. Everybody else has the original, so they can see that there was a change. If they compare your there copy you with theirs, they there can see go. there was a change. And so the great thing about translations is we got a lot of we got a lot of copies, <laughs> especially the New Testament. Yeah, go ahead. Just wanted to clarify, uh, Brother Kerry, because. Uh, we, we studied with the Jehovah Witness before, and they have their own translation, oh. uh, the New World uh, translation. I can bring that up too. And uh, they certainly uh, changed not only, oh, yeah. in some cases, the context, yeah. but the meaning. Uh, John 1, in the beginning, was the word. I mean, if you study that out with them, 
um, uh, and you study the Greek, they, they, they outrightly change it to fit their faith, to fit right. their they do. belief. So yeah. just, just just looking for clarification, uh, you know, some translations I think we ought to be careful with uh, in context. Yeah, I would say this. There, there's some that we everybody knows are corrupted. That one's one of them. The New World Translation is, is corrupted. There's, there's other ones too. Um, the You heard of the passion? Don't do that. <laughs> oh, yes, Steve. I, you know, I don't, don't read Greek or Hebrew or anything, but I've, I've heard that the, uh, the original was written in language that was easily understood for its audience. It was. So that if you are having a problem with handling some of the constructions and the mm -hmm. uh, language of the King James Version, there's, you know, if it's going to keep you from, you know, if it's going to keep you from, uh, if that if that translation is a barrier between you and the word, then go into a much easier yeah. understood translation. Yeah. Yeah. But then some of the others is that some people say, well, you know, watch out for some of the translations that they're not really translations; they're paraphrase. Yeah. So that it's not you know trying to go mm -hmm. you know uh, word for word, idea for idea, but just kind of the general. Well, here is kind of like what they're talking about type of a translation. So, you know, it, you can you can uh, not be careful and get far afield sometimes. Yeah. So you do have to be careful. Yeah, I would say this. Um, it's beyond the scope of this class for me to talk about translations because there's a lot there. I mean, I read a few books on translations. It's a very fascinating subject. Um, but it's beyond the scope of this class. I would say the majority are good. Now, yeah, there's some bad ones, but you could, you could tell them. If you read scripture, you could, you could see <laughs> where the bad ones are. You can see it. It's, it's not hard. It really isn't. It's not as complicated as it sounds. Yeah, yeah be careful of some bad ones. There's just some bad ones out there, but you can see the difference. You can tell. All right, um, let's move on. Okay. So what's the first thing we need to understand before reading this text? And we, we talked about it a little bit. What's the first thing we need to understand before reading the text in, in, in earnest? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. The big point. And that's what we've been doing. When we, when we did this little overview, we're trying to get the big point. Because when you start reading the text, if you don't have the big point, you're, you may be reading it a little wrong. So once you get the big point, then you read the text. Okay? Okay, he gives graphic details about the false believers. We mentioned that. He mentions the type of end that they deserve um, or, or that they will achieve. Uh, he talks about how these false believers get other people to believe them. You know, he talks about how that happens. And then Jude quotes 2 Peter 3.3. 3. I don't know if you guys noticed that. He actually quotes Peter, which kind of lends credence to the fact that Peter, the last letter that Peter wrote, which is 2 Peter, had influence with Jude. So we know that sometime, sometime 
when Peter wrote this, Jude wrote this. So we, get, we have a little idea here about when this happened. And, it, and Peter was urging his listeners sort of a similar vein of thought in 2 Peter. And he quotes Peter almost word for word, talking about the scoffers and what they're like. Almost word for word, if you notice that. So that's important too. Um, also, he gives advice on what these believers ought to be doing instead of being taken in by these false teachers. So we, we, toward the end, he talks about what to do. You know, as believers, as dear friends, remember what the apostle, our Lord Christ foretold, which is quoting Peter about the scoffers. But in verse 20, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And he goes on to talk about being merciful to those who doubt and saving others. So be busy helping one another. Stay true to the faith. This is what you should be doing. And this is just, I'm just doing an overview. I'm just looking at the whole thing. And, we, and, and look how much we got out of this just by doing that. Think about that. We got a whole lot out of this just by doing an overview. So when you get in and reading it, you're gonna read it with the emotion that it deserves to have. We're not just, we're not just reading law books. If you ever look at the, uh, the uh, Constitution of, of Maryland, it's online. The Bible's not like that. You're not reading law after law after law, command after command after command. You're not reading that. This is just some emotion here. There's some passion. And we need to be reading that way. If you really want to get what he's trying to say, read it the way he wrote it. This is not like some dispassionate false teachers are like this. You know, this is what you should be doing as a, as a good Christian. You know, that's not, how, that's not how this is written. This is like the church is the last place to hold to the gospel if the world needs to know this. This is the only place that this is going to be continue on from generation to generation. And I am concerned. It needs to be read that way. So when we read it, you're coming to it a little differently. You're not coming to it as if you're reading a law book. Um, so now, and we looked at some, some details. But what's the first thing we need to understand before reading this text? Okay, we talked about that. Okay, what other important details do you start to notice? Yeah, go ahead, Demetrius. So he's observing that the dangers of blending paganism and, and worldliness with the gospel. Mm 
he's he's laying down he's he's drawing a line in the sand and said you cannot mix the two mm-hmm. they they have to be exclusive mm-hmm. in terms of the gospel and worldly deeds mm-hmm. you don't you don't bring the two together mm-hmm. and and he's he's bringing out an impurity um based on the the blending of that paganism into the gospel here's an interesting quote here um bringing what touching on what Demetrius was just saying in verse um, four, he says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord, uh, of our God into a license for immorality. That's what he's talking about here. He's, these people are taking the grace of God and making it a license for immorality. That's an interesting detail. Um, that's dangerous. What other details do you see? Yeah, oh, I'm running out of time, okay. All right, well, let's, uh, let's start wrapping this up. I also want to, I want to end with saying this. <clears throat> Beware, not every detail um, is equal. Okay, I just want to say this. Not every detail is equal. Like, for instance, he mentions the archangel Michael, and he mentions the, the dispute he had with the devil over the, the body of Moses. You can get all deep into the details of that and miss the whole point. The point of the detail is to build on the point of the book. Always remember that. The point is not the times and places when these, those things happen. The point is, what point is he trying to make that supports the big idea in the book? That's the focus. Yes, Steve, and then we're gonna. One, comment. One commentator said that the main thing is a plain thing, and the plain thing is the main thing. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, true. it's not that hard to find the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we had to, to kind of jump in the book of Jude. And uh, we, re- we recognize here, too, that there's more to Jude than meets the eye. It's not just a, um, uh, a letter written to, you know, um, give us some things to do this is this is an urgent plea um, for us to hold to the gospel and to pass it on and that is very important and that the apostles uh told us that and they gave their lives doing that and um, we recognize too by looking at what jews wrote writing here that uh, jews jews has a sense of urgency because he knows that the apostles are dying off and it's still got to get passed on. You got some people changing stuff. And Father, help us, Lord, because yes, it happened then, but we're just as in danger today. And Father, please thank, I just want to thank you, Lord. It gives us this opportunity for me to talk about how to read the Bible so that we could actually get a lot out of this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Kerry. Thank you.